Hi, hello, and welcome to K Out and About, the podcast about my random travel occurrences. This is still season one, episode 11, The Kitchen Table, finally. But first, I wanted to thank everybody who has given me kind words of encouragement. You know who you are. Please keep them coming. I have days when I really need them. Now, on with the podcast. Obviously, the first time in the States was a shocker. I was finding out about new things around every corner. I already told you about the prices. They didn't include tax, so never knew how much I was going to pay. I already moaned about the tea. Now, you know the American stereotypes? Sorry to say, but uh, most of them are true. What you see in the movies is actually quite accurate. Uh, on my way to the canyon, um, speaking of movies actually, um, on the Amazing Greyhound bus, I met some people who actually have visited the place. Two guys in their early 20s, I think, who in my memory will always stay as Bill and Ted on their bogus journey. Yeah, if you don't get the pop culture reference, watch the movie. Very, very young Keanu Reeves. I asked anxiously about their impressions of the canyon, um, and the only thing they had to say is that it was a big hole, they went up to the rim, threw a stone, and left. Sorry to say, but those two were the biggest idiots I've ever met in my life at the time. Uh, no offense to Bill and Ted and their bogus journey and, you know, people's personal opinions. We all entitled to them. In my opinion, the Grand Canyon is one of the most amazing places I've ever seen. No picture will ever show you what you can see when you gaze at it or, well, rather into it. Like every day it looks a little bit different. Like the colors change, um, the, the perspective changes as well. Like, you know, depends on uh, where you're standing. I must say, I did have some random adventures in the canyon. Uh, first of all, the people, the Americans. I, well, I don't want to sound like I mean it in a bad way. Most of them were super nice, friendly and curious of the world. But you do get your uh, rednecks, people with southern accent, the military types, although not necessarily from the military, just the type. You get your, you know, silly blondes, your jocks and, you know, etc, etc. Once you get to know each person, of course, they all are individuals with their own lives. But it was so fascinating for quite a while. And most of us, the foreigners, we stood out. And, uh, well, my first experience of standing out, I got a super embarrassing moment when one of the managers, um, that was probably within the first few weeks, um, sat me down in the cantina and explained that my dress code may seem provocative to some of the locals. I was not, by the way, uh, wearing anything provocative by any European standards, just summer dresses. Um, and I didn't know how censored the society can be in the States. Like, I'll give you an example. When you're lying on your belly at the poolside, public pool, you cannot undo the back of your bikini because that's like indecent exposure. The difference between, you know, the tiny thread and none. And it's not like you're taking off the top. No, you're still lying on your belly. You're just undoing the thing. Anyway, 
I had to resign to wear shorts instead of my summer dresses. Ironically, the shorts were shorter than anything else I had. However, they were acceptable. Um, can't understand then, cannot still. I mean, it might have something to do with some of the summer dresses. They didn't require really wearing a bra. So, yeah, but still. But let's get to the people I met. Mm, during my first visit, uh, I met a lot of amazing people. Well, during the second visit as well, but different kinds of people. You have already heard about the Costa Rican guys, my friends, Eduardo and Alex and Randy. Um, I also met the most incredible Ivona, with whom I was first sharing a trailer and then a cabin. Well, the trailer was a story in itself. I didn't know the reputation of a trailer park or trailer park trash for that matter. And so the first few weeks we spent living in one. Um, it might have been just a week or maybe a week and a half. Ivana was there first. We didn't know each other before that. Um, and there were two beds uh, when she arrived. And uh, she wasn't sure who was actually sleeping in the other one. It was supposed to be, I think, a native girl working in housekeeping. Um, but Ivana never saw her. She just vanished, leaving all her stuff behind. So when I arrived, there were two black bin bags um, packed with her stuff on the bed assigned to me. The, uh, and, you know, the guy who drove me, the... It was there was, he was, he was just to pick uh, pick them up. There was of course a lot of gossip floating around. Um, one story claimed that her ex smashed her head with a rock in the nearby woods. Well, there was a punch hole in the bathroom door, so there was definitely someone with a temper there. In any case, we never found out uh, what has happened to her, and soon enough, we have moved closer to the center of the Grand Canyon village into one of the cabins across the road from Maswick Lodge and I do realize you have no idea what I'm talking about but still I'll throw in a few names to confuse you. Yvonne and I became friends very quickly. I think it might have been the reminiscing of her previous crappy relationships while smoking one cigarette after another during the cool evenings. Ivana was uh, a year or two older than me and she just did her master's in food processing, I think, specifically drying carrots. I remember because, first of all, I love carrots, but we were also joking about it the whole time. Now, when we met for the first time, it wasn't the best uh, situation because, uh, well, she was fuming. <laughs> Basically, I got dropped off at the trailer park at the trailer uh, with a new key, so they exchanged the locks so that the girl who vanished couldn't come back in and, you know, suddenly surprise us. And so the guy obviously took the bags with her stuff and um, left. And I didn't know what to do. Even when I wasn't there, I didn't know where she was. So I thought, well, let me go and find the fucking canyon because I still haven't seen it. So off I went. And, you know, the story I told you, found the canyon, very emotional, blah, blah, blah. I'm on my way back, walking on the cloud, and Ivana standing there, because I was gone, I don't know, a couple of hours maybe, and Ivana is standing there um, at the door with loads of bags, because she went shopping, fuming, yelling at me, um, like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Who are you? Where have you been? Why can't I get in? Because nobody told her that they're changing the locks and nobody has given her the key. I had the spare key for her, but she didn't know that. So when she got back from wherever she was, I think Flagstaff probably, uh, and she's trying to get in, she couldn't. 
So obviously, obviously she's letting some steam out, but um, she saw my T-shirt and it had a um, beer company logo. And that beer was produced in the city where she was from. So she kind of looked at me a second time and thought, all right, I'll give her a chance. Um, and we became friends. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Ivana. I'm trying to get in touch with her to send her these podcasts, but uh, well, fingers crossed I will. On to other people, my direct manager, Missy, or Missica, a Navajo woman who was the sweetest person ever. She was also the biggest um, I've ever seen with my own eyes. It pains me to admit that the first time I saw her, I got a bit uh, sort of stumped, I think might be the right word. I didn't know if she was a male or female. Uh, and I literally stopped eating my lunch. Like um, I just stopped. Uh, I stopped being hungry. Um, not my proudest mo- moments, but coming from a country where obesity is only becoming a problem now in recent years, if you'd see someone like that then um, on the street, you would wonder why they're not in a hospital because it's a serious condition. You cannot control your thoughts. And, you know, everyone from a slightly healthier eating cultures who has visited the States knows that Americans have taken obesity to the next level. And I'm not trying to pretend here like Polish people eat very well. Nuh-uh. But I do partially blame the kind of food that they have in the States. It's not natural. It doesn't even taste natural. Like That's not just me, by the way. Or maybe it's changed now. I don't know. It was a long time ago. And did I mention Missy was the manager of an ice cream shop? And we were eating, we were all eating what we were selling. Ice cream for lunch, hot dogs for dinner. Many times, I'm not saying every day, but many times during the months there. Um, And, oh, I was always making a special mixture for myself. A scoop of chocolate chip cookie dough, scoop of M&M vanilla fudge swirl. And you wait until it starts melting a little bit and then you dig in. Thinking back, probably that was the way my lactose intolerance got out of control. Food aside, because I'm getting hungry, as I mentioned, Missy um, was the nicest person in the world. Um, She was kind to everybody, always ready to laugh. And she told us some stories about the Navajo. I was completely unaware about their involvement in the Second World War. I mean, of course, we learned at school about the war, but we mainly focused on the European side of it. Um, just talking about the major um, events worldwide. So I didn't know that the Navajo language was used as a code by the Americans. I was also unaware that the uh, Navajos see certain rocks as uh, sacred and they don't climb them. Um, For example, like the ones um, you know from Monument Valley. Most of the stories she told us, I don't remember anymore. There was too much alcohol involved and I had nothing to write them down. and, you know, too much time has passed now. Like, I only started thinking about um, recording these things just only recently. Another Navajo woman I met was um, Missy's ex-girlfriend, whose name I don't remember. We only met a few times at um, at some parties. Um, I do have to say, I bought my first video camera uh, there uh, in Flagstaff, probably, and I was filming everything possible. Now, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, some of the tapes have gone missing, like literally tapes. There was still a video camera with a tape. Um, One of them was with that woman at one of the parties singing some Elvis classics. 
she almost actually looked the part, um, and telling me about my past and foretelling me the future. She was apparently like a trained medicine woman. Two things she told me I still remember, regardless of the missing recordings. Um, well, only two. Well, again, loads of alcohol involved. Um, one was about me unknowingly saving someone's life on a train when I was a little girl. Well, no way of telling if that one's true, obviously. The second one, um, that I had to be careful in the future because I might end up in hospital because of my dancing. Well, she was sort of right uh, there. However, you know, that's something easy to predict after you listen to me talking about dancing for like an hour beforehand. So, another um, person that I kind of vividly remember, although not his name, uh, was a guy with a motorcycle. Well, there's the reason why I remember him. He was working, too, at the, at the Grand Canyon. Um, so, you know, of course, we all chatted to each other from time to time. Um, and one day he asked me if I wanted to go on a motorcycle ride. Well, why not? I've never been. And he had a Harley or something. Um, so sorry. Forgive my ignorance. Um, anyway, we drove to Flagstaff, um, where I got introduced to my first outlet mall And a peculiar way some Americans do their shopping. I'll tell you. I remember seeing an awesome winter jacket. I mean, I put it on and it was perfect for me. However, the price tag said about $200. Although it was hanging in the $50 section, that's why I tried it on. Well, I shrugged my shoulders and I thought, well, it was way too expensive. And um, I just kept on browsing. Um, Well, the guy saw my sad face and told me, to wait, go outside and wait. A few minutes later, he comes out with a jacket and says, I owe him $50. And I was like, what? At first I freaked out because I thought, I don't know, he's trying to make a deal. Like, you know, he's expecting something in return apart from the $50. (laughs) Then he explained. He basically took off the price tag, you know, threw it away, went to the cashier and said where he found the jacket and was wondering if it was indeed $50, you know, based on where it was hanging. And the girl kind of looked at it, you know, check where it was hanging. She didn't scan anything or, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing we did have some scans there then. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. She saw the other tags and she was like, yeah, it's $50. So I got the jacket in the end and it served me very well over many, many years. Then, of course... The people I worked with in the ice cream shop called The Fountain. There was a guy from Alabama. I don't remember his name. Um, I could never understand him. I mean, I literally, I would ask him time and time again to repeat. And I was just, no, nothing, nothing. Um, I think it was Abby who was trying to translate uh, sort of, you know, (laughs) what he's saying. There was Sean, there was, as I said, Abby, whose nickname was Miss Cookie Dough. There was Yasushi from Japan, who was trying to teach me uh, Japanese. I only remember toilet ni ikimasu, which means, um, I think, um, I need to go to the toilet. Very useful. Uh, There was Yuki, uh, there was Dank from Korea, there were many, many more. And also, the canyon was uh, full of Polish people. There was a guy called Maciek, who introduced us to the Costa Rican team. There was Marek, who needed a haircut, and he risked a lot getting it from me. There was Kubab, there was Marcin, there was Mikoai, Gosha, Monica, Violeta, Magda, Asha, Ida, 
In other words, there was a decent Polish representation. Um, in the four months I was there, I mean, obviously we had fun, there was romance and, of course, drama. I vaguely remember a story with two Colombian guys, um, or maybe one Colombian and one Spanish, actually, hiding Violeta's passport. Not sure how it all started, what it was all about, uh, but it was short before she was leaving, so the matter got quite urgent and the two douchebags were not cooperating. And I think it was Eduardo who got it back for her in the end, you know. Uh, a hero as usual, Eduardito. And Eduardo is also part of one of my best memories um, from the canyon. Towards the end, we were sitting on the rim discussing the nature of, thing, of, of things fleeting away and, uh, you know, our presence at the canyon coming to an end. Uh, you know, something of sorts like we will be long gone, but the canyon will still be there. And I remember telling Eduardo, probably to comfort myself a bit, um, that although we will leave, in a way, we will still stay in the canyon forever as we were until this day. I believe it to be true. Anytime I want, I can transport myself back to those days and relive them as a silly girl that, you know, was on her mission to prove something to the world and feeling that her whole life is still ahead of her. Um, I think we should all have a place like that. Well, now I got a bit sentimental and I'm in need for a warm, comforting tea, so I'll get back to you in a second. All right, I'm back with my tea. All is good in the world. I'll tell you in a moment how we met Alex, as that's the table in the kitchen story. But I do have to tell you a funny bicycle story first. Um, the same evening we met Alex, he said he had a bicycle. And I was dying to see a few places around the National Park without having to wait for the silly tourist bus. So I asked him if I could borrow it one day. And he was like, yeah, sure, okay. So I came by a few days later, got on the bike, and off I went to do some sightseeing. The bike was fancy, like very sort of kind of racing bike. Um, at some point, I needed to pee, as, you know, I always do. So I parked the bike, but I didn't have any locks. And after a short hesitation, I thought, mm, I better take the bike with me. Silly, I know, but there was a handicapped toilet, which had enough space, so I squeezed myself in and must have looked really ridiculous to other people. Anyway, thank God I did it, because a week later... In the meantime, I actually borrowed the uh, bike again. A week later, I found out that this bike cost more than $1,000. And that was back in 2001. Imagine if it got stolen when I had it. Fuck. I actually yelled at Alex so bad later when I found out for lending me the bike. I mean, what the hell was he thinking? Like, what? Oof. Now... A short story, how we became famous for five seconds in the Little Grand Canyon community. It all started with Missica planning um, uh, my leaving party and inviting everybody. And by that, I mean everybody she spoke to, like people I saw occasionally, but, you know, we were not kind of close. All of them came over and squeezed into our small cabin. At some point, somebody who wanted to sleep that night must have called the rangers, because um, it's a national park, so no police, but rangers. Most of the people dispersed quickly, mm, plus, of course, you know, people were working the next day, so not, not a biggie. But 
it got slightly problematic when the rangers saw that the door to our bathroom was locked, meaning somebody was inside. They looked around and they also saw that certain people looked like they were under 21. So they started checking IDs. Now, my dear Costa Rican friends were just 20 at the time. And it was Eduardito hiding in the bathroom. He panicked. I mean, I get that. So imagine a scene, almost like from a movie. The rangers knocking on the door and yelling, Sir, please unlock the door or we will open it by force. Or something like that. Scary as hell. So Eduardo opens the door. They ask him to step outside. Then they surround him with flashlights, like right in his face, and ask for ID. Luckily, they only cautioned them. Um, so I think it was um, Eduardo and Randy. Um, and it didn't go any further, but they were very imposing. And the next day, there was a little note in the Grand Canyon Bulletin, because there was one, about drunken and disorderly behavior around Maswick Lodge. And the rangers were forced to intervene. So for a brief moment, we were famous. Now, in Wendover, so the second time I was in the States, people were a bit different. First of all, when you go to the US to work in a casino, you're there because you want to make money. So we were all sort of focused on that. Well, mainly. My roommate Olga was studying psychology back home. Um, as we, and as we lived at a big apartment, in a big apartment, we also had another two Polish guys sharing with us. Um, and well, the casino was full of all kinds of Europeans, like mainly, who are all mainly Central Europe or the Mexicans, you know, who lived there. Um, there was also, I remember Jacob um, as well. And um, I actually remember him better because I met him 10 years later at Heathrow Airport and he recognized me. He didn't remember my name. He was he just knew that I was from Much and my dad was a policeman. Great memory. Um, so we were kind of all, we were partying a bit as well, yes. But we were all kind of focused on, like, yeah, let's make the most money and, you know, back, go back home. So at, um, at Cafe Loco, I was trained in the art of waitressry or whatever it's called by Sharon. I think she might have been in her mid-50s and, oh my God, she was a pro in her field. All good tips I've ever gotten were thanks to her and her teachings. Of course, she couldn't help the fact that I was a lousy waitress. Anyway, well, but still. In the gift shop, it was Tahir who taught us what to do and, you know, on the cash register and everything. With Tahir, the funny thing was that mm, we could not, for the love of God, figure out if he was a man or a woman. And I know it's the second type of that, you know, story I'm telling you today, but it was, you know, a year apart. Tahir was a very fragile looking person, like a see-through skin, wrinkles like from here to San Antonio, and a very genderless voice, and always smoking. Uh, the, I mean, teeth yellow from smoking. Now, of course, I know Tahir is a guy's name, but in 2002, I didn't really have an opportunity to Google image the name. Plus, whenever we were sure Tahir was a guy, he would do something or say something that just made us doubt it. Um, also, in Wendover, mm, I saw my first Chippendale show at the casino. I must say, I'd love to be able to object objectify guys as much as they do women because you know I do it sometimes um but not as much uh not the same way let's say 
But I found it very, very, very distasteful and uh, quite disturbing, I must say. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just, no, I'm sorry. Um, but it is time to tell you the kitchen table story as we're coming to an end of this podcast. It is a slightly embarrassing one, to say the least. So when Maciek, the Polish guy, brought Alex, the Costa Rican guy, to meet us, they had a small surprise. Maciek wanted to learn some Spanish, um, so he asked Alice to, che- to teach him a sentence. In return, he taught him the same sentence in Polish. So we opened the door and Alex says proudly, in a really broken Polish, uh, with a big smile on his face, I want to fuck you on the kitchen table. We laughed so hard. I mean, uh, this this became almost like a catchphrase. This and cordones de mierda for some reason, which I don't remember right now. It was something with shoelaces, basically. Um, and we even started asking other people how to say it in their languages. And then I took it to an even more embarrassing level. Uh, when I went for one semester to study in Sheffield at one party, again, being slightly intoxicated... I started showing off my language skills because I used to uh, remember all these um, descendants in, in all those languages. And I started collecting even more versions. Um, I think I ended up um, in the end, I don't know, about 15, 16. The last one is actually from a couple of months ago, uh, Bosnian. So I have um, Italian, Finnish, Catalan, Japanese, Greek, Russian, French, etc., etc. Et Needless to say... It was also the first sentence I knew in Swedish. Um, Also, I have to say, a guaranteed icebreaker when you meet someone for the first time and you kind of don't know what to say, you know, why not offer them some pleasure in their language? And basically, those were the people I met. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've met many more, but these were the ones who left a mark in my life or were just weird enough for me to remember them. Um, I... And I, I'm sorry, I probably forgot about a few of them or someone. Uh, there was, There's going to be another episode about states, so maybe someone will pop in um, again into my head. Uh, but that is it for today. Next time, I will tell you about the road trips uh, we did in the States, because you cannot visit the United States without going on a road trip. So the next episode will be titled, well, guess, The Road Trips, kind of obviously. Well, thanks for listening and until next time.